What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Truth Pace Podcast, episode nine. I'm your host, Joe Jesse. And on today's episode, we got a special guest, my sister. And I don't mean that as in uh, we're both black, that's my sister kind of way. I mean, literally, my blood sister is on the show today talking a little bit about her experience doing marketing out in Africa and kind of the benefits of taking your talents overseas. And then we're going to finish that up with another story from my past that I think y'all will find entertaining. Once again, thank everyone who subscribed. Shout out to everybody who's listened to at least one episode. I really appreciate you and I hope you continue listening and I hope you can grab a lot from this interview and a lot from this conversation. So again, thanks to my sister for jumping on, being my very first guest on the podcast and uh, we gonna keep it rolling. Like I always say, man, real topics, real people, real funny. It's truth pace. Brush up. So for those of you who don't know, my little sister Julia also does digital marketing. She's actually a beast <laughs> at it. Ironically enough, I probably started... A, we started around the same time. Um, I chose to stay national, and she went international with it. Um, she was given the opportunity to go out to Africa and take on a role that she had never taken on before, doing a job that she was unfamiliar with doing. But she chose to go out there, and what was supposed to be three months turned into three years. So you can imagine there was a lot of stuff that she picked up along the way. And I wanted to get as much of that game out to our listeners as I could. Ironically enough, I learned something about my sister (laughs) during this conversation. So I figure if I can learn something about her, my listeners can learn something about what it is that she was doing and what she's actually doing now. So I hope you enjoy taking some of this free game. This is going to be something that I'm going to continue doing, bringing on some of my friends, colleagues, and other experts in their field, and just having a conversation about what it is that they do and get as much game as I can from them so that my listeners, you, if you're deciding to get into that same field, you can be a step or two ahead of what it is that you're actually doing to get your foot into the door or actually make a stronger impact than you're already making. So shout out to my sister Julia for hopping on the podcast, being my very first guest. It was a great conversation, about 40 minutes long, and uh, we talked about everything, man. We, we really talked about everything, how she got there, what led to her coming back, and uh, why she's going out to Cameroon in a couple days. So, like I said, man, real talk, real funny, but in this case, it's some real good game. So, I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Hey, hey. Hey, what's up, Julia? Hey. <laughs> How what's are you? going on? I'm good. So, um, thank you for coming on, being my first guest on the podcast. This is pretty cool. Whoop, whoop. You already know. I'm excited. Yeah, no, this is really cool. So, like I was saying to you a little bit earlier, the thought behind all of this is essentially, um, you know, I kind of want to give into what it is that you do 
Um, we're going to get a little bit into kind of the, the history of kind of how you got to where you are, but then really just kind of give some game for people who may be kind of, you know, looking to, for this topic anyway, take some of their talents and what it is that they do abroad, which is going to be kind of the, the focus for this conversation. So first, um, you know, I guess I'll start with kind of your, your bio up to a certain point and then you can kind of take it there. <laughs> yeah. So you graduate from high school, um, you go into college, you decide to go where? Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. So and what you what was your study there? So my my degree was in journalism, but um I would definitely say that my skill set was in public relations. Okay. So you got a you got kind of like a taste of that while in college? Yeah, well, exactly. So I kind of started out feeling like I wanted to be this investigative journalist. And then I kind of said, well, that's a little bit I want to do. And, you know, I wrote for the newspaper. It wasn't really uh, my passion. And then I started taking this public relations course and that totally just opened up my eyes to like new things that I wanted to do. So fast forward, you graduate from college uh-huh. What what kind of, you know, work are you doing after you graduate? Or at least what what are you expecting to do once you graduate from college? Well, I think I was like any typical college senior who was just kind of like, oh, shit, now life really is going to happen. And these student loans are going to hit. So I was kind of, you know, feverishly looking for a plan of action when I graduated. And I thought, OK, well, let me you know, kind of just get my ducks in a row. So I immediately moved to San Diego um, with our aunt, with Aunt Jerry. And that turned out to be pretty cool. Um, I just was kind of looking to get away. I didn't want to be in Norfolk following graduation. Um, And I was kind of not really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to do something around PR. So San Diego became a cool choice. Um, But before I got to San Diego, I was following um who I call my mentor um shout out to my guy Big O I was following Amari on Twitter and he kept tweeting about just all these different locations that he was in and he was just traveling he was in Barcelona one minute then he was in London I mean he was just all over the place and so I kind of built a rapport with him over time And I was just like, dude, what are you doing and how can I get involved? And the conversation about actually um, my travels started there. Um, And so once I moved to San Diego, it was kind of like I was going to move here and wait till this new opportunity with Amari came about. But I didn't know how things were going to shake. So that's pretty much how the ball got rolling immediately once I graduated. So. So you kind of led with, you know, blind faith with what it is that you're going to do. Oh, super, (laughs) super. I mean, I called mom and was like, mom, what, what do you think about this? This, you know, here's a guy who the family knows, but I don't really personally know. I don't even think I had met. Oh no, I did meet Omari in person. I'd met him in person like two or three times, um, you know, and he's kind of a tough read. You can't really get a good gauge on O if you know him. Um, but, you know, I just was asking mom, like, you know, what do you think about this? And she said, look, go out there, 
if you feel like you need to come home, I'll buy you a flight on the credit card. It's nothing. And so it just really gave me my wings. And I was like, look, if my mom's backing me, I'm out. So, and I left and, um, I left Christmas Eve, flew in, left Christmas Eve in San Diego, flew to Seattle for Christmas, dropped all my shit off. Um, and that was kind of an interesting thing because I was living in this three bedroom apartment or three bedroom condo that overlooked Tijuana in, you know, Bonita, California. So it was super plush, super luxury. And I was like, okay, I'm actually going to just pack up shop and go to Tanzania. And it literally just happened overnight. Um, I was out and I landed on the day after Christmas into Tanzania. And that was, you know, all she wrote. So let's, let's go into kind of the psychology of you getting from the point of this is an idea to the actual reality of I'm about to board this flight so at this point are you sure of what it is that you're going to be doing like do you have an idea no. of that you're going to be in no I mean yes and no I did an interview with um who's my now friend Jade Keen shout out to Jade did an interview with her over Skype she kind of gave me an understanding of what I would be doing but Honestly, no, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't truly understand the scope of work. I bought a bunch of different books online about um, social media, on branding, on marketing, on things like that. I had created a couple different pitch samples to um, some companies that Amari was interested in, in, in working with over there on the agency side. But I really didn't have any classic examples of how to even be in the career world. I had, I had no experience, you know, when I was in college, I was working at the front desk of a hotel. So it really was just based on experience of, you know, some of the things I was doing before I left um, in my free time. So I don't know. I had no, I had no expectations. I just was kind of like, if this doesn't work out, I'm still young enough to make it work. Yeah. So you kind of, you're not really, tied down by anything you're kind of open to any option at this point you're fresh out of college it's kind of like why not exactly exactly that makes sense so let's talk about okay so it sounds like a lot of this is kind of led by you know i'm i'm gonna hold on to the seat of my pants but we're gonna see what opportunities come of this so you're on the flight and you're going to Tanzania. So why, I mean, if it were any other country, would you still want to go? Or was there something specific about Tanzania or Africa that kind of made it like a, I gotta go type of deal? Um, I think the, there definitely was the moment where it was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going back to the motherland. That for sure, as a, you know, a black woman and a proud black woman, that definitely was like, oh, I'm not going to miss out on this. Um, but I can't say that if it were like Belgium or Dublin or something that I wouldn't go, I just think, um, I probably would have went definitely, but this was the opportunity that I was faced with. So if someone said, you know, come and do a 90 day internship in, I don't know, South America, I would still be down. You know what I'm saying? So Africa was just a great first option, you know? No, it's an incredible first option. Would you say that what would what would you say your traveling was like before going to Africa? 
Oh, um, yeah, definitely well-traveled um, and interested in being um, more of a world traveler. Had been to St. Lucia for about two weeks. Um, overseas as a kid in Europe. Um, so that was good. Definitely just, you know, we've had passports since we were kids, since we were about two and three years old. Um, and I think because of that, it was something that, you know, definitely mom's attitude and just kind of pushing us to be exposed and pushing us to see the world has always affected me. And I've always wanted to see and do more. So I think once you get that taste that you get bit by that travel bug, there's really no stopping you. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I've been a, a bunch of countries like there's nothing like going out of your own country and seeing how everybody else is living and getting a taste of everybody else's culture. Definitely. But with that, like, obviously, you know, there's definitely some culture shock that comes into play. So when you first get to Tanzania, what did you know about Tanzania before you got there? I knew shit. I knew nothing. <laughs> um, and everything I thought I knew um yeah I had to throw it out the window I tried to do some google searches of what I thought I mean it's it's difficult to look for things that you you it's hard to look for something that you don't know what you're looking for you know what I mean yeah um a super big culture shock though was living in a place where English is not the official language, number one. And li just living somewhere where you can't speak the national language, where you can't speak the official language. Yeah. So you're surrounded by people that are giving you different salutations, but it's in Swahili. And so you just naturally get a little bit more uncomfortable when you can't understand it and you're having difficulties communicating. But you adapt and you learn. And human nature kind of just kicks in and... Tanzanian people really push you to learn their language and Swahili is such a beautiful language that it was something that I easily picked up um, and actually I got lucky because Swahili is easily spoken by people um, that speak English because some of the words that are in Swahili are pronounced the same as they are in English so it's pretty oh, phonic no. yeah so it's really really easy uh, I wouldn't say it's really easy to pick up but you know over time um, especially when you have people that are pushing you to learn. I know I used to have coworkers who would only speak to me in Swahili because they wanted me to learn. So it, it, it I didn't have a choice but to adjust and to adapt. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to buy something, if you want to grocery shop, if you want to, you know, get some food, you're going to have to know how to order, you know, with the waitress. Simple as that. So you first go out there. How long did you think you were going to stay? Um, initially went out there thinking I would be a part of a 90 day internship. Didn't come home till three years later. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it definitely was, it was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life for sure. Definitely one of the highlights so far. Um, Tanzania just totally embraced me. I had a super fucking cool job. I was working for some of the best brands, Coca-Cola, Heineken, um, Diageo, love Diageo. I was working with all these liquor companies who just were trying to get on and everything was about who can throw the biggest, most lavish party. Um, what kind of brand messaging can we create? Um, it just was cool. It was super cool. Um, and yeah, I didn't want to leave. I definitely didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay as long as I could. And I found a way to maintain. 
So let's get back to the the actual work. So obviously, I mean, what it sounds like you were doing is something that a lot of people out here in the United States do. Would you say that there's any difference in like the styles of marketing, the styles of advertising, maybe the rules that are applied to marketing and advertising out there? Like, are, are there any noticeable differences? Big differences. Um, first off, I came in. Okay, so I let me just start from the beginning with my job. I worked for an agency, a marketing agency called Push Mobile. We essentially created um, a social media division. Social media had just came out when I'm, I mean, just came out essentially when um, I moved out there. I moved out there in 2010, 2011. Yeah. So social media was just kind of catching its wave. Everybody was using Instagram. Um, well, actually, I think Instagram kind of came out later. People were just kind of jumping in on it. But Facebook was a really good thing. So I went out there to pretty much tell companies how important it is to use social media for a branding opportunity. And that's what I did. And so I pitched to Coca-Cola right off the bat. They gave me a, a contract for $100,000. And then they said, okay, we'll give you another contract. And so they kept renewing our contract. And on top of that, they gave us a budget for Sprite. They gave us a budget for um, Orange Fanta. They gave us a, um, a contract, you know, just continuously. And then we got contracts with Heineken and uh, Diageo. And really, it was just all about the pitch. We put, I put together these social media strategies. Um, we started getting a team. I had an infield activations team. I mean, me and my guy, Omari, we just, we went at it. We would spend about 14 to 16 hours a day just banging it out and trying to get things going. And these brands were like on fire and they just kept coming. So how, I mean, you're... You're out of the country, you're outside of your comfort zone, and the workload is getting heavy. Like, was there any homesickness that started to creep in, or was there any moments where you're just like, man, like, I don't know if I can really, like, do this, I'm in another country, like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, those kind of moments? Um. In the beginning, it w- there was a little bit of an adjustment of just, like, am I even comfortable But even once I got extremely comfortable and I was living in, you know, had different living accommodations, I still would feel definitely moments of homesickness. Um, I hated Sundays. I hated Sundays because it was always um, a lot of people just going to hang out and be with their families and stuff. And I just thought, dang, you know, if I was home on Sunday, that's what I would be doing. So you you really miss your family. Um, And social media kind of played into it, too, especially because one. Here I am as a social media expert. I'm driving social media all day long. So I'm using it and I'm on it all day long. And I'm just watching all my friends and, you know, hanging out and linking up and doing stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kicking it. I'm having a good time, but I miss those relationships. I miss those connections. And so you get a little bit jealous um, <laughs> for sure. And, you know, of course, you know, missing some of the holidays and different gatherings and stuff, you know, it, it plays, it plays into your psyche a little bit and you just gotta be, you know, you gotta push through it and you have to really, really build the relationships that you have around you and build your own extension, um, of a family. And that's what I was able to do with my roommates. I was able to kind of, you know, really put together a core team. I had a village of my own, 
people that uplifted me and, you know, held me down and, you know, would chill with me on Sundays and things like that. So I, I had it, I had it really good. I definitely had it good. At what moment, or, or if you did, was there ever a moment where you kind of, where maybe it was an event or a conversation or a certain contract where you were, you kind of realized like, yeah, I can do this. I know I'm in another country, but yeah, I can totally do this. Mm, good question. I think there were moments throughout my career there that I looked up and I was like, whoa, I'm doing something major. Um, we had a Middle Eastern company come to Tanzania and open like they were kind of um they were one of the telecoms so it'd be like the equivalent to like a T-Mobile and they came down and they wanted some brand activations and to be a woman in a dress Arab men in a room and have them actually pay attention to you and look at you um especially in that environment and, and take your hat off about being an American I'm talking about being here I am in East Africa where women definitely don't have the same type of rights. Um, and then you have a, a guy from the UAE who definitely doesn't see women with the same rights. And to be able to really address them in that setting, in that forum with huge communication directors and they're looking at me for the right answers was definitely a powerful moment. I thought, damn, I got this and I can do this. Wow. I've never heard that story. Yeah, you never asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's kind of a bonus of having these conversations, too. There's a lot of stuff that I get to learn as well. Yep. So what, I mean, so you you said you're there for three years and you end up leaving uh, and coming back to the United States. What would you say were some of, like, the best, worst, and hardest lessons you've learned while working abroad? Um, okay, we'll start with we'll start with the good first for sure. Um, so Tanzania, I was in a city, I was in the capital city, Dar es Salaam. When you when you're in Dar es Salaam, you can take a ferry that's about two hours or a plane that's about 30 minutes to the island of Zanzibar. And it's the most beautiful tropical island that I've ever seen in my whole life and I beg someone to say there's some some other place that's more beautiful so that definitely was a highlight um being able to just take advantage of that island anytime I wanted to um as well as all the other beaches and stuff that Tanzania has because it's a coastal um country Uh it's just so many opportunities to just hang and chill at the beach um we take Uh, boats from one side to the other to get on these little private islands and shit like that so that was dope that would be the best oh as well as kelsey my roommate from arizona she was the best um we lived in a five bedroom five bathroom house with a chef and a maid we were chilling we did good and she was a a baker so the whole house always smelled like chocolate cake and good ass (laughs) chocolate cake shout out to death by chocolate um so that was definitely the best. And I could go into detail all day long about the best. I think everything was good. Um, the worst. Actually, no, we'll go with the hardest. The hardest was losing my friend Rose. Um, she was actually from Kenya, but she worked in Tanzania and she was a fucking kick ass. Um, kick ass girl. 
she was on the agency side. She worked for um, a company called ScanAd. And when she went home, she got into a car accident. Well, it would be what you would kind of say is your typical car accident, not anything too lethal. She went to the hospital. Everything was fine. She checked out. But that morning after she ate breakfast, she slipped into a coma and um, they eventually found that there was bleeding on her brain, that she had some internal bleeding and she passed. So that was definitely the hardest um, one to just be with someone all the time and to be around a woman who was just such a go-getter and Rose was just a person that would just tell you like it is and she was one of the first people to embrace me when I got to Tanzania so that was a tough loss for for myself and a bunch of others so that was the hardest um and the worst was you know the reason why I left I went to and this is kind of a shitty story but I hope it doesn't overshadow all the great stuff but (laughs) There was one particular incident. I think, well, I mean, I think there's there's a lesson in this story. There's a good lesson in this story. And um, you can share the, the, I guess, the overarching lesson to this story at the end of it. Okay. So this, this is the reason why I eventually left Tanzania amongst a few other things. But I had just got back into Tanzania. I had came home. I think I was in D.C. or something for maybe two weeks or something. I just came home on holiday, flew back in, had only been home for maybe 24 hours. So I still had a little edge on me that I needed to kind of get off. And when I, what I mean by edge is that sometimes as an American, we will always as an American, we have our own core values in the way our system works. And so, you know, I had to matriculate back into Tanzanian culture and what that meant. Okay. So I go to this party, it's called Groove Theory. The people throwing, okay, well, and a little more background, right? Because I think when people think about Africa, they think about like a bunch of poor people, you know, starving or something. Well, there is and then there's not so I was with like what I like to call the 90210 of of Dar es Salaam and so this is all the diplomats and parliaments children these kids have traveled abroad lived in Europe things like that pretty well to do very affluent very much trying to put back into their country good kids but there's some shitheads okay (laughs) and this particular guy was one of the shitheads and um anyway I was at this really dope ass party that they always threw every couple months um and like I said just got back from just got back from the states I'm hanging out me and Jade we get to the party but remember it's a day party that turns into night so people have been drinking for probably a good four hours Up until the point we get there. And I come in sober because, you know, I just got in. You know, me and Jay just got there. So everybody's kind of wasted. They're already in their groove, having a good time. Um, And me and Jade, we go to the bar and we sit on the bar. So, again, I'm giving you the attitude of, like, don't fuck with me. I'm Beyonce. Like, I'm in my mode. So I'm on... As Andre would say, I'm thug life right now. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of. I'm shout kind out, of, shout out our cousin Andre. One shout time. out to Dre, man. Um. So I'm kind of feeling myself. If I have to be honest, I'm sitting on this bar 
top we're partying we're drinking the homeboy comes over and he's like yeah you know I'm gonna buy a bottle blah 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 so I'm like okay cool so the bottle finally comes and there's this guy uh I won't even say his name but there's this yeah there's this guy he comes over and he accidentally knocks over one of the drinks while he's trying to reach to grab the bottle and because I'm sitting on the bin uh, sitting on the bar like an asshole it um, you know, it gets the back of my short sweat. So I'm like, damn, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're not going to say sorry. And he's like, for what? And I'm like, for spilling this drink on me. Well, he doesn't like my attitude. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't really like his either. But he's like, nah, I didn't do that. And I'm like, clearly, you just did that. I saw you, blah, blah, blah. And he's he's really not feeling that. So I was like, how would you like it if I poured a drink on you? And he was like, what'd you say? <laughs> and I was like, how would you like it if I poured this drink on you? And I um, I act like I'm about to do it, but be, and, but then I'm like, ha, psych, and I, you know, kind of pull it back. And this motherfucker are you walks. Are you, like, messing with him, or are you, like, being serious? No, I'm being kind of flirty. You okay. know what I'm saying? I'm, like, I'm in my own thing. I'm giving him a hard time, but I don't expect him to come off so crass. Like, he's coming off dry as shit, which threw me off because I'm in such a great mood that I'm kind of just joking with him. I don't care that he spilled a drink on me. It's cool. I know I'm sitting on the bar. So it's like, you know, I already know that that's the hazard, right? Yeah. But he comes off like he's super irritated with me. Like, nah, that's not what I did. And I was like, oh, okay. That's how you want to come off, bro? Like, all right, I'll match that too. But I'm kind of just playing with him. And I know he knows I'm playing with him, but he clearly had an agenda and we found that out later. But Anyway, this guy, he acts like he's about to walk away. He turns around and then he punches me in the face. Well, little does he know that I had been training. I had been boxing with my, I had been kickboxing every single day for about two hours with my, with my personal trainer, Ingi. And shout out to Ingi, man, my guy. He used to be a professional boxer. Anyway, he had been training me. So when I got hit in the face, I definitely gave a nice little tuck and, you know, and he barely grazed the side of my face. And I came back and hit him with two jabs like bop, bop. And on the last one, I had put so much force into my punch that I fell forward off the bar. So now here I am. I'm laying on the floor and I have this big ass fucking asshole on top of me trying to like rip my shirt off and basically just trying to kill me right so the fucked up part is his homeboy is behind me and he's holding my shoulders down so my shirt is being ripped off someone's holding me down and there's a bunch of people trying to pull this asshole off of me so finally they they get him off he turns into fucking hulk Hogan, he or whatever the green guy is when he the Hulk, fucking, the Hulk that Bruce motherfucker Banner turns it, yeah, he Hulk. turns right into that, and I'm like, okay, so this is really going on. So now I'm real thug life. I'm just Joey Jesse at this point. Boom, what's up? Now I'm feeling extremely violated because th- I'm just I just was held down, and this guy just punched me in the face. But I know he's feeling some type of way because everybody saw me punch him back. Yeah. So now so, he's kind of embarrassed. He's super embarrassed, right? And I'm not tripping because I and I'm talking cash shit. Cash <laughs> shit. What's up, motherfucker? You can't do that. You know, my mouth is out of control. Excuse me, mom. 
But um, yeah, so they pull him out the party. And my homeboy takes his shirt off, gives me a new shirt, because at this point, I'm just in a bra. And my girls kind of find me. And they're like, what's going on? And I'm just tripping. And I'm like, yo, this, I don't even know what just happened. And everybody at the party is just kind of looking at me like, huh, way, way. Probably need to get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? They're looking at me like I'm the problem. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, you know what? No, matter of fact, this is what happened. So my guy Amor is like, look, Jules. Here's my shirt. Just like chill, like get yourself together. I'm going to get another bottle. Like we're going to keep the party jumping. Don't trip. This shit is nothing. And I'm like, man, all right. After all of that, I'm still like, all right. But then I'm like, I can't, bro. I'm like, that was just too much. I'm not even in the same headspace. I'm good. So we start leaving the party. And in the parking lot, this guy is still there and he's going ballistic and there's a bunch of people holding him. Right. So he sees me and starts charging at me. And it's like four guys, two on each arm, trying to like hold him back. His shirt is ripping off and Jade steps right in front of the bull and is like, if you want to get to her, you're going to have to go through me. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. I want this American bitch. She's dead blah 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 I was like whoa this guy's tripping so now all that mouth that I had I was like oh no this dude is tripping he's really trying to hurt me so then my into like my instincts immediately kicked in and I was like whoa this is spider flight mode yeah yeah I'm like this is hella serious now like I thought this was kind of a game I don't know what I thought I think my adrenaline was up and then immediately when I saw that he was still super mad in the parking lot and he was like trying to get to me, I said, oh, yeah, I got to go. And I literally ran and went to kind of like this little there were so many people at the party. It was like there were people parked in the parking lot and then there were people parked all along the street area. So I was kind of in the street area or like the alleyway. Uh-huh. And I, w- I don't even remember who I was with. I was with one other person and we were like literally ducking behind cars because I could just hear him walking in the street like, where's this bitch? Where's this American bitch? And he was looking for me. And the girl who I was with, she was like, Jules, just don't say nothing. And I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. And it's really like a cat and mouse game. Every time he took two steps, I took two steps. And it just then finally he passed. And this girl, random as fuck, pulled up and she's like, hey, get in the car with me. And me and my friend, I just did a dive bomb and slid into the back seat. She pulls off and somehow finds my other friends. They're in a different car across the street. And they're like, get in the car. Let's go. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? So that was that night. Um, Then the tabloids came out. And something you should probably know about my job was that I was always working with the Tanzanian celebrities and for some reason it came out in the tabloids basically that me and him had like a domestic violence situation. I guess it was assumed that we were dating. I got a couple phone calls from reporters and stuff like that. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? But um, yeah, there was no, there was no recourse either. He turned out to be 
think his dad did something for the president or did something for parliament or something like that. So he was he was a pretty big dude. He was a pretty pretty big dude. Yeah, he was high up there as far as the the ranks. At what moment during all of that did you I mean it sounds like it, it kind of happened when you went outside of the club, but at what point did you kind of realize like oh shit, I'm not in the United States? Cuz there's got to okay. be a moment in there where you're like this the rules are a little different. Yeah, once I got up from someone well, there was two points. There was the point where I said, okay, this is not the United States and this is not because here's the thing. If we were in the U.S. and there was a guy that physically assaulted a girl in a bar, there would have been 10 guys and 10 girls that would have jumped on him. You know what I'm saying? We, we just don't have that same level of like disrespect. We're not going for that. Women are protected. And so immediately that was the moment where I was like, damn, all these fucking men in here and ain't nobody really going to step in. And then there was the final thing. Um, that happened probably just a few, just weeks afterwards, you know, I, I kind of felt like because this guy was a part of that 90210 circle, everyone kind of was like, well, he's never acted like that. He's never done that. Um, so I don't know. They just, I just, I don't know. It was one of those things like, let's bash the victim kind of thing. And someone made this fucking ridiculous, like, blog and was talking shit about me and my roommate Kelsey and photoshopped our pictures on porn models and stuff and (laughs) pulled up all my old Facebook pictures I was hella old and fat and whatever but it was crazy it was just it just got crazy after that I get like so what would the, the lesson in all of that be the lesson in that is just remember that you are a foreigner, you know, you are a foreigner and people are always going to choose and protect their own. And that's just, it is what it is. And you have to remember that the same standards that you have when you're in your own country are going to be different when you go somewhere else. Simple as that. So let's get into, I guess, the the last part of this. And that's kind of some advice and some game you can give some people who are, you know, thinking about taking what it is that they're doing internationally. So what would you say are kind of like, let's say three things that you wish you would have known about working abroad that you didn't at the time? Like what are three things you would give somebody like here are three things you absolutely need to know or prepare for. Um, The first thing I would say is do your research, kind of know where you're going. Look at some of the laws that might affect you. Um, Definitely try to just get a sniff at the political system and the political environment. Um, I would also say, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's not going to you're not going to feel comfortable right away get just live in that uncomfortability and like really just relax in that and you'll be fine and I think just lastly you know don't get hung up on the wrong things you're going there to do a job do well perform put the work in and ultimately when people see that you know that you're a value and that you can make money um and that you're you know an asset 
then that's a good thing. And you can retain that contract or retain that job or whatever. So, you know, really do that. If you're going for a job, you know, don't act like you're on vacation. Is it, is the process to getting, I guess, a job overseas the same as, I guess, getting a job out here? Hmm. I don't know if I'm super qualified to answer that. I would say in my experience, it has been, so, and it has been, right? Because I think all of my quote unquote jobs are always about who I know and what I probably can offer them. Um, so I think if you are looking for something overseas, I would say, you know, there's definitely going to be an interview process of, of some sort. Um, there might be some requirements to turn in, you know, some projects or previous work that you've done. Um, but I think getting the ball rolling is definitely going to take, you know, knowing somebody and connections and, and putting those things together first. And then um, I guess lastly, you know, what, what I guess would be like the overall advice you would give someone looking to move out of the country and start, you know, I guess, you know, either pursuing their passion or doing the same work that they're doing out here, but in another country. Man, it's 2018. There's so many things that are going on here in the U.S. I encourage every single person to leave. And when I say leave, go somewhere for a month at a time. If you don't like your job, quit and go do something new. Um, I think the biggest advice is just go. Just go. I mean, don't let this be a moment where you're kind of listening to me talking talking about it on um on the truth pace podcast to, you know, make your mind up, but go like really go and let yourself go. Forget about your bills. Forget about that car note. Forget about your house or where you want to live. Put all that down and put it all to the side. Go live your life and experience what the world has offers. Too many other nations out here that are doing incredible things that have incredible opportunities and you can live better sometimes, you know? So it's just an experience. And I just think life is all about a wealth, having a wealth of experience. And, you know, living and traveling abroad is huge, 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 huge. And it's, it's, it's something I recommend to everyone. So what is it that you're doing now? I know you're going, to, you're going back to Africa pretty soon. Yeah, I'm leaving. So next Friday, I'm traveling to Cameroon. I'm going into a city called Douala. Super excited about that. Um, The company that I'm contracting with right now is a Cameroonian-owned company. So uh, my boss, if you will, he he offered the trip to somebody in the office. And it just, you know, I wasn't the person who won the trip, but I definitely put myself in there to go. So (laughs) We're going, we're going to be there for two weeks. Um, We're going to stay at his home um, with him and his family and things like that. So I don't really know what to expect. Everyone in the office, there's a lot of other Cameroonian natives and they're just like, yeah, you're going to have so much fun. It's so hot. It's so this, it's so that. So I'm excited to see, you know, just what it has to offer. That's awesome. Would you say that, um, your work, not even necessarily just your work, but your experience living 
abroad now coming back to the United States, how has that affected your your work, whether it be like your outlook at on projects or just your ability to be a little bit more creative and more of a international thinker versus just a national thinker? Like how has it affected kind of how you look at the work that you do now? It's affected um, what I do tremendously. And I feel like my experience is just unmatched to anything else, right? I don't think I could carve this, this the experience that I have now, the skills that I've learned um, if I didn't have this opportunity. And it helps that, I mean, I, I worked for huge brands. Coca-Cola is a huge global brand. Heineken is a huge global brand. So I'm working for global companies, which, you know, offers, you know, yourself to be a global thinker. And I think that experience was unmatched. I met with so many different power players. I met with so many people from all over the world. It's just, you know, it's unmatched completely. That's dope. Yeah. Is there, so is there anything else you'd like to tell the people before we wrap this up? I know you got to get going pretty soon. Um, man, good luck. Get your passport. If you don't have your passport, go down to the post office, get an application. I think it's like $140 um, plus another like $15 to get your pictures taken for it. Get your passport. Even if you don't have a travel itinerary booked, get it so that you can start expanding and moving and, you know, moving throughout the country. Just do it. Be out. One country that you'd want to go to that you haven't yet, go. Oh, Greece. Yeah. I want to go to Santi- Santorini. Okay. Got to see that. Got to be in Santorini. Yeah, I want to visit Tokyo, Japan. Oh, dope. Dope, dope. Yeah. Yeah, I want to... My first Asian country, I want to be Vietnam. So oh, yeah. hopefully I can get to Vietnam. Man, I'd go to Vietnam just to eat. That's honestly why I want to go, <laughs> is to eat, Okay. I'm trying to go eat and hang out. Yeah, I'd definitely be all for that. All right, well, Julia, I appreciate you getting on the the podcast with me, being my first guest. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I hope I like it. This was kind of nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, I mean, I didn't ask you too many, like, difficult questions, but we'll definitely have to get you back on here for another uh, episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anytime. Okay, cool. All right, well, I love you, and uh, have a good night. All right. Love you. Okay.